Thank you so much for being here this morning. What a blessed music ministry. Good gracious, that song fits exactly what the sermon is. Uh, we're, we're starting a series this morning. I usually preach through a book, but this summer I'm going to be preaching just through the topic of the gospel for the 21st century America. We'll be on that, I believe with all my heart, that uh, the thing that's going to save America, that's going to save our families, is not a new economic uh, plan. It's not another educational plan. It's not knocking off some more debt, but it's going to be the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that's the most important thing. So I want to focus on that. We began uh, the first Sunday in June with a new staff member that we've called. He'll be our evangelism coordinator. And my prayer is we're going to see more people saved in the next three months than we've seen saved here in a long, long time. And I'm, I'm thanking God for it. Now, let me remind you, tonight uh, is uh, uh, no service the next three Sunday nights. Tonight is a ministry team service. I hope you're on a team. If you're not, you can come at 6 o'clock, and they'll put you on a team. Uh, but we need teams working and, and uh, for the glory of God, so I hope you'll be a part of that. And then uh, if you've never been visiting, man, this is the day to go visiting. All four teams are meeting at one time in the fellowship hall and brother case got everything lined up it's going to be a great time uh and then next sunday night is our uh, uh life group connect and i hope you're having something special because we're doing something special every staff member every staff meeting we have after a life group connect the same thing comes up our nursery workers and our children's workers are the ones who always are here i mean they are you you can count on them they don't get to go in fellowship with us. So we've arranged next Sunday night for Mason Creek members to come over here and take care of all of our children so that our nursery workers and preschool workers and children's workers can all go to different life groups. Now, if you don't have one, amen. Uh, if, you, if your life group's not meeting, you're in a mess because I've, I've told them, hey, hey we've got, we got to have them here, all right? So help us with that. And then the last thing, we're under $200,000 on the debt for Miracle uh, May. And so keep praying about what God would have you do, and it's going to happen. It's going to be uh, a success. It's going to be great. Now, I'm going to preach real fast this morning. Uh, I wasn't going to preach as fast as I, was, as I am, but I got last night, I, I went, run into one of our Department of Public Safety men uh, with the little red and blue lights. And so I promised him that I would slow down. I have an airline leaving at 3.30 out of Dallas, so I'm going to be preaching fast and because uh, I'm going to honor my word. I'm going to slow down. <laughs> amen? <laughs> All right, amen. <laughs> I love our policemen, and, and uh, my wife says, you always talk your way. I don't talk my way of anything. They're just blessed, amen? <laughs> I praise the Lord. <laughs> Philippians chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. Philippians chapter 1. I don't know about you, my mind is always running like a television, never shuts off. And, and sometimes things will just click. I'll see somebody and then I'll, I'll just kind of start laughing because I remember, I see Chet and I just, you know, I, I, I just, it just pops up, you know, it just pops up. Uh, maybe it makes you uh, think about things. In the first uh, chapter here of Philippians, Paul, every time he thinks about this church at Philippi, he is blessed. 
He is excited. He is thrilled with them. Uh, this last week, we were down in South Texas in a mission church down there helping them, and I was trying to guide this uh, 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 scissor lift in there. I finally turned it over and told Isom, just take it. It's like a joystick. Uh, but anyway, it, it, the whole, everything was unlevel. And so the, the scissor lift would get uneven, and the tire would just spin. And so Brother Mark, many of y'all know Brother Mark. He's about twice the size I am and a great pianist and all. I said, get on that side of the scissor lift and step up on it. And he was on it, and it went on down to the ground. And we were going on in, in the, in the uh, church with it. And I hit the brake all of a sudden. He slung off and rolled twice on the concrete. Now, that's going to be hard to forget. I, I just be honest with you right now. That's going to be hard to forget. When you come to Philippians 1, there's some things that Paul says it's just impossible to forget. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Paul and Timotheus, the servants. The servants. Hallelujah. Paul usually starts out saying, Paul, an apostle. But now he starts out saying, hey, I'm a servant. That's the same word as slave. Isn't it wonderful to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? And he said, I'm a servant of Jesus to all the saints in the uh, Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you are all, and incidentally you know he's a southerner because he says, for you all, making request with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think of this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you're partakers of my grace. I remind you that Paul is writing this book from jail. He is in jail when he's writing this. Verse 8, For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in all the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. Let's pray together. God, we ask you this morning, let your Holy Spirit continue to fill this place, dominate this space. God, we don't want to hear nothing except what you want us to hear. We don't want to say nothing except what you want us to say. Lord, we want to evangelize, we want to equip, and we want to exalt the name of Jesus in this place today. Would you have your way in every heart? Those that need to be saved, may today be their day of salvation. Those that need a church home, may today be their day that they say, this is where God wants us to be. Lord, have your way in every life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, Paul says here, and of course his theme was, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The reason I'm not ashamed of it is because it's the power of God. And so, as we think about the, the gospel for the 21st century America, we understand uh, that, uh, that being in, in, in uh, the service of the Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest blessing that we could ever have in all of our life. Pastors 
are notorious complainers. We, uh, we try not to complain to people too much. Uh, there are very few people that I really let my hair down with. Uh, but uh, uh, we complain to each other a lot. And we always one-up one another. I mean, you know, I can tell our group tomorrow that we had a 1,000 here and somebody else had a 1,010. And, uh, you know, we always are up in that there, uh, trying to up one another. Uh, but ministry is the best place in the world to be. But it also can be the most challenging place. And it's not only for the pastor or the church staff. It's for every one of us. Every one of us. Now, why did this church, above all the other churches, bring so much joy to Paul? I mean, he didn't write this about anybody else. But he wrote it about this church at Philippi. What, what is it? Let, let me just discover a couple of things with you here. Number one, it brought joy to Paul because they joyfully participated in the gospel. Nobody had to, to beg them. Nobody had to, to give one of them tear-jerking illustrations. They joyfully uh, participated. They didn't sit back and watch the professionals do stuff. They participated in the ministry. They partnered with Paul. And that's what his heart communicates in verse 5. He said, your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Hey, I don't have a lot in common with most of you. Uh, you know, I, I think about some of you crazy people. You know, we got, we got people in here that will get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, put on waiter boots, go out in the icy water to kill a duck when you can buy them in the frozen food department. <laughs> we got people that, that spend hundreds of dollars per pound for fish. Time they buy boats and license and equipment and bait and all that. I mean, you're talking about a pound of fish costing you $100 a pound. But you're excited about it. You can buy it for $6.99 in the market fresh. Hey, I don't have a lot in common with you, but there's one thing we do have in common, and that is the fellowship of the gospel. Amen. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. And every one of us, we may come from different ways. Church growth gurus will tell you that what we do here don't work. It will not work. You cannot do it. It will not work. You can't get old people to sit in the same place with young people. You can't get young people to sit in the same place with old people. You can't get rich people to sit with poor people. You can't get medium income to sit with rich. That's hogwash. When you get under Jesus Christ and you've got the gospel, it doesn't matter who you're sitting next to. I'm telling you, the death, burial, and resurrection is what we have in common today. That is the number one thing. It's the, the gospel. And so Paul says, look, I'm thrilled that you never have quit. You continue to minister. You continue to each, minister to each other. And, and I want to tell you, folks, that's my dream. That's my, my passion. I, if I ever get complacent, I hope, and somebody will tell me, don't, hey, you need to get out. You need to quit. I don't want to be complacent. I don't think our God is hindered. I think God can do anything he wants to do. And I believe that he wants to use us in a special way. Uh, ministry was never meant to be portioned out to a select few. It was always for the whole family of God, the church of God, living the gospel, ministering to the needs of others through the gospel. 
If, the, if, we're, if we have any hope of bringing America back, any hope of getting back any morality and any kind of common ground on the Word of God, we've got to present the gospel. That's what is going to do it. Second thing here, though, he says, is that the church makes me joyful because they display a passion for Christ. He said, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer and joy in every prayer for you in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day to now. He said, man, you guys haven't quit. You've got a passion for Christ. From the very first day they were saved, hey, from the day they became a church, they never lost their passion for Christ. Have you got a passion for Jesus this morning? Does it bother you that people aren't being saved? Uh, because I want to tell you something, there's more people here today than there ever have been. Mm. Does it bother you? The Bible says that wide is a way, broad is a way that leads to destruction. And many of the people that we love dearly are headed down that road. Does that bother you? I think sometimes we treat the Lord like we got over him. And we need to go back and be reminded, hey, of the day when we got saved. I mean, we were headed for destruction. You didn't wake up one morning and say, I think I'll be saved today. No, you didn't go looking for him. He came looking for you. And, and he drew you to him. He took you off of darkness and put you into light. That's the gospel. I pray we never get over that. And I think some of us have probably gotten over it. We've treated the Lord like a new puppy. When the new puppy's there, oh, he's so cute. We haul him all over the house. We take him everywhere with us. If he messes, that's all right. He's just a puppy, you know. We just are just calm. Everything's great. But the older that dog gets, when he gets up at that high, he's got his place, and I got my place. We come into the Lord, and we say, Lord, have mercy. You saved us from destruction. I'm yours, Lord. Everything I've got, I be it belongs to you. And then the older we get, the more the world comes in, little by little, until we come to the place where we say, now, Lord, <clears throat> I'm fixing to do this. Now, you just stay over here in your place, and I'll take care of this. And we'll meet back up about 9 or 10 o'clock. I want to tell you something. I, I'm more excited about the Lord now than I have ever been in my life. I'm just telling you right now, when, when you see folks like Buddy love it that's going on to heaven it just makes me more excited about it than anything i'm thrilled i mean many of you have lost loved ones and you've got more we've got to the place we're old enough we got more folk on the other side than we got on this side here but i want to tell you i don't want to ever grow complacent i want to be on fire for the lord i want my last shot i want it to be running wide open i don't want to slip into heaven i want to run wide open into heaven and I don't want a church. I don't want to pastor a church that's complacent and wants to sit and do nothing. I want us to be on the firing line. Yes. And it's going to be harder and harder to stay on the firing line in the days ahead. But we must do it. A passion for Christ. Then thirdly, a joyful church that Paul was so joyful about, it recognizes their potential in Christ. 
When Paul thought about what God had already done and what he had already accomplished in that church and through that church, he was grateful. And when we stop and look back at what God has done, I mean, 18 years ago, we were meeting in a small auditorium here, and there were 50 people here. 50. Mm. The best thing about this church, it's always had a good choir. Yep, that's about all I can say. I mean, you know, everything else, dead is Queen Anne. But it had a good choir. You think of what God has done. And it's what he's done. It's not what we've done. It's not anybody. It's him. Philippians 1.6, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He's not talking about buildings. He's not talking about buses. He's not talking about budgets. He's not talking about all of those programs. He's talking about salvation. He said, if the one who began the good work in you to, for you to be saved, he said, I'm going to finish it off. When you begin to understand that you didn't do anything to get your salvation, you can begin to believe you can't do anything to lose your salvation. Because it all belongs to God. He's the one who owns salvation. He's the one who gives it to us. God began the work, and he continues the work. Acts 4, 16, 14 says that God opened Lydia's heart to respond to the things Paul was preaching. Have you ever started something you couldn't finish? <laughs> I mean, you got in over your head. Wow. Sometimes that, that's like that. I know uh, uh, he, he uh, I, re I remember that story of that little boy came home one day and he said, Daddy, uh, Jimmy's daddy has a list of men that he can whip. And you're the number one man on the list. He said, really? So he said, I'm going to go see him. So he went to see him and he said, look, I want to ask you a question. Your son told my son that you had a list of all the men you could whip. And my name was the first one on the, on the list. He said, yes, sir, you're right. He said, well, let's just get it on right now. What are you going to do about it? He said, I'm going to take your name off the list. <laughs> you, you ever start something you couldn't finish? I mean, you got in over your head. And, and Listen to me. God has never started anything that he can't finish. Don't you think because you fell down after being saved that you're through with. God's not through with you. Don't you think you've done something in life so terrible? Listen, pray for Southern Baptist. This week, the new report comes out for the sexual abuse and the cover-up of Southern Baptist that, that we have had. Now, last year, it's never happened before in the history of the Southern Baptist Convention, but the executive committee said, uh, we, we know we got a problem, we're looking into it. The convention rose up by a three-fourths majority and said, we don't want you to look into it. We're going to hire a separate company to look into it, and you're not going to have anything to do with it because y'all are involved in it. Mm. So $1.7 million later, we're getting this report this week. Mm. And even after that, there were like 23 people resigned from the committee immediately. All I'm saying is, now listen don't, listen, don't take me wrong, and if you're listening by live stream, do not misrepresent what I'm fixing to say. 
I'm not saying that we ought to cover anything up, never cover anything up. Church ought to be transparent, immediate where it is. But at the same time, somebody had a problem 25 years ago, and we can't, we can't let them serve the Lord today. I'm wondering, what happened to that part about Jesus wanting to reclaim people? What happened to that party about Jesus wanting to restore the fellowship? Now, I'm saying that it's all got to be done in love, and it must be done with, cons- uh, with discernment. It needs to be with discernment. He's saying that here, that you may approve the things in verse 10 that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. But I'm just saying, I'll be honest with you, if you want to find dirt on me, you don't have to go back 20 years. You can call my wife this morning. <laughs> she, she, uh, uh, she called me names last night. I can't even repeat. <laughs> I, I, I went out to Mason Creek. We had a problem out there with a computer, and I worked on it, and I came back over here, and I don't know. I, I was listening to a preacher in my office there just having a glorious time. It was about 1 o'clock in the morning, and there was a knock on the door. It was Jason. I had left my phone in the truck. And Becky said, go hunt your daddy. He's had a heart attack, and he's dead. And I, I'm sitting there praising the Lord, you know. Well, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. You don't have to go back. Hey, I'm saying this, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm saying you've got to repent, but when you repent, I remember those spears, the old family's got a song out, what sin are you talking about? If the Lord forgave you of your sin and restored you, who are we to not do that same thing? Now, I'm saying it's got to be done in discernment. I'm saying we're not going to put the fox in charge of the hen house. If there's charges, we do background checks. We do all of those things. I'm just saying, though, my soul, is, is there a sin that you can't get forgiveness for? Well, let me hurry on here. I, is that clock right? <laughs> Lord, have mercy. Uh, we, I got two minutes, all right. <laughs> is that, what happened? Did somebody move that clock? A joyful church is going to overflow with the love of God. I mean the love of God. Amen? It's a, one old boy said it like this. He said, we can't hold much, but we can overflow a lot. And that's the way the love of God. When the love of God abounds, it's an overflowing. It's an overflowing. Now, I want to caution us with something. Uh, and, and just to hear me out. Uh, there are going to be people that walk through these doors. And you're going to say, you know what? I knew that person 20 years ago. They're trouble." wouldn't trust them they're trouble well who died and put you in charge because see that's way above your pay scale it's way above my pay scale I, I, I again am not saying that you open everything it's got to be your best friend I'm not saying that but I am saying that it's a crying shame if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ treats sinners like they're a dog The love of God ought to be overflowing us, and it ought to be reaching out to people. I, I'm scared. I would like to put a sign up that say, everyone welcome, but I'm scared somebody's going to come in here that ain't. Mm. 
We've got to love the Lord and we've got to love people. That's where evangelism is, the gospel. But we've got to be discerning in our love too. That's why he's not saying love all things here. He's saying love the right things here. Look at life and be able to look at the opportunities and make the right choices. And most of us in this place today, there may be one that's not, but most of us are not going to be uh, determined to leave here whether we're going to rob a bank or not rob a bank or whether we're going to commit adultery or not commit adultery or whether or not we're going to steal from our neighbor or not steal from our neighbor. Most of us are going to be confronted with whether we want the good that God would give us or we want the best. God's desire is to bless us with the best. But when we're cramming the things of the world down ourselves faster than he can cram the word of God down us, we end up more in the world than we do in the church. I know you've heard this story, but I'll say it real quickly. Roy Regals, 1929. Georgia Tech was playing University of California in the Rose Bowl. And uh, the game was scoreless. He picked up a fumble from the other team, and he headed to the end zone. The only problem was it was the wrong end zone. One of his guys tackled him on the one-yard line. The next play, they, the quarterback of Regals' team uh, was set back, and, and, and they ended up losing the game by one point. And so from then on, everybody's called him wrong way Regals. He said after that, he said this, he said, I heard a teammate hollering, you're going the wrong way. And I thought, well, what's wrong with you, man? We're all like that sometimes. One author said of Regals, he had instincts without direction. When I was young, I had zeal. I was just dumb as a sack of rocks. Now that I'm old, I've got a little wisdom. I just ain't got much zeal left. That's why the family of God is made up of all of us. Young, middle-aged, old. It's the family of God. We've all got a part in the church moving forward for the glory of God. And this church reflects the character of Christ. Our lives ought to demonstrate and ought to validate what our mouths are talking about. When I was in youth ministry, I almost shuddered every time a young person would say, Brother Charles, can I come talk to you? Because I knew it was going to be almost the same thing over and over. Y'all think my daddy's a really good Christian, but you don't know what he's like at home. Y'all think my mama loves the Lord, but you don't know what she's like at home. Listen to me, adults. Young people are not idiots. They're dumb as a sack of rocks, but they're not idiots. You can't fool them. They know what's going on. And when you are saying one thing with your mouth, and you're living something totally different with your life, it don't take them very long to figure out, hey, this is not right. This is not right. Now, last thing, I got to get out of here. That church of the 21st century has got to realize that one day we're all going to stand before God. Anybody ever hack you off? Make you mad? Some of you sitting here mad this morning. Could I tell you, when you try to take justice and judgment in your own hands, what you're really saying is, God, you don't have enough sense to do what I know needs to be done. Because the Bible says, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. 
The Bible says hey, everything done in darkness is going to be brought to light. It's not our responsibility. It's God's responsibility. Spurgeon said this. <laughs> he said, if any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him, for you're worse than what he thinks you to be. <laughs> George Whitfield said this. Let the name of Whitfield perish, but Christ be glorified. Let my name die everywhere. Let even my friends forget me, if by that means the cause of Jesus may be promoted. And listen to what he said. I am content to wait till the judgment day for the clearing of my reputation. I don't have to be cleared here. This is not where the judgment is. The judgment's going to happen when we are there. And it's going to all be cleared. And let me tell you something about the God we love and serve. He hasn't forgotten one thing. And he won't forget anything. He loves you just like you are. And his desire is a word that we're going to be talking over and over and over and over and over and over. I hope you get so sick of it that you say it in your sleep. It's the word whosoever. Whosoever. Just practice, whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, thank you today for allowing us just to speak the word of God. I pray, God, that it's, it's been truth to people that need it and that God, people would accept the truth and that they would say, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to be saved. I'm going to line up with the word of God. I'm going to bring my family. Lord, whatever needs to happen in every life in this place today, let it happen right now. And Father, we praise you and we thank you for what you have done, what you're doing now, and for what you're going to do in the future. In Jesus' precious name, amen.